0: to get it They're on his own it got it got it well deserved
1: a magnificent delivery from Darren Goff must be very close to five got it.
2: what a patch this is for Ryan Sidebottom could be a run out
0: champions as Rich Parrot takes the catch. Welcome to the Covers Off podcast, it's me Richard Parrot, and again I've got the captain Steve Patterson. It's um, been a while since we've been on Steve but um, it was a hectic season wasn't it so uh, just concentrate on the cricket but we're, we're back for the winter now so good to be back? Yeah very good to
1: be back. As you say, it's been a busy couple of months with the amount of cricket we've played uh, and all the new rules that are in place, but it's been good to get out there on the field, play a few games of cricket and as winter, autumn's upon us again, we can uh, get back to the podcast. So it's good to be back and good to have our old friend Andrew on with us.
0: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll introduce him in a minute, but um, just I'm just glad to get you off the golf course actually. You're normally uh, busy, aren't you, this time of year on the golf course?
1: That is correct. i just got home about 15 minutes ago, so... Just managed to get changed, but it's the time of year where now I've got both kids at school. Drop them off at quarter to nine. I've got the day to myself, so I'm trying to get as much golfing as I can before we
0: Pete Sim gets us back in the gym. Good stuff. Okay, let's. Uh, so today we're going to have a bit of a different podcast. We've been been away and we've we finished the season. We're going to have a bit of review of the season. So we thought we'd invite in our current head coach. So Gailey as played for Yorkshire since uh, forever, really. He's scored he's 14,000 first-class runs with 20 first-class hundreds. He's got one wicket, an average of 238. De- <laughs> deceptive bowler, deceptive bowler. I think um, he was a full toss as well, that. <laughs> yeah, he's double championship winning captain and as we said he is now head coach of the club Gaelic, welcome to the podcast good to have you on
2: great to be on guys it's an absolute pleasure to be uh, the 112th guest in line to be on this podcast <laughs>
0: well we were going to get you on earlier but Pato said that he <laughs> was main man at club not you So
1: <laughs> that is very true to be fair I think you had enough on your plate over uh, August, September we thought we'd uh, take a bit of pressure off you but now you've got a bit of time to yourself we thought we'd get you back on it's good to be on
0: good so Oh, started at young age at Yorkshire, played all the age group stuff, went through the academy and then first team cricket to, to be the captain quite young uh, and then to be a, a young head coach. Is it something that you dreamed of, you know, a, a journey like that in first class cricket and at Yorkshire?
2: Yeah, I, uh- you know, I think in my early days, starting out cricket as a young eight or nine year old, I never really had ambitions to be a professional cricketer. I always wanted to be a footballer. You know, I think everyone knows my love of Wootersfield Town, but you lads have seen my football skills, so that that was never going to materialise. Although, having watched them uh, a few games this year, I still feel like I can play up front for them. But, um, yeah, it wasn't until I was 14, 15 years old that, you know, it sort of uh, became a realistic journey for me. Um, I started to to do okay in the age groups and then was offered an academy contract and then went on to get four contracts, played England under-19s and, and went through the ranks, really, before I established myself in the first team. And, um, you know, the captaincy came probably when I wasn't expecting it, uh, but... I think I was 25 at the time. I remember being sat in my appraisal, and um, I think it was Mags was the captain, and you could tell he'd had enough. It wasn't for him, and I was sat with Martin. I said, "Who's going to be the captain then next year?" And he said, "My recommendation to the board is you, if you if you take the opportunity." And I just remember being sat in the car park, ringing my parents, going, "I've been offered the captaincy of Yorkshire. I can't believe it." And uh, you know, if I'm being honest, it came very very early, but I, I loved it, and then you know, finished my career
0: and was offered the head
2: coach's job which I've enjoyed as well. So
0: yep, yeah, Yorkshire through and through and I've absolutely loved it. Good. It's um, people people for you know, they think about you as the captain and now head coach and, you know, very good in both roles, but forget about out about your batting? You know, you've scored 14,000 runs for the club, Twenty first class 100s. It doesn't get spoken about enough, really.
2: Yeah, I was, I was never the most talented of batsmen coming through the academy. There was always better players than me, but I think what I did pride myself on is scoring ugly runs, really. I think, give me a situation where the team needed me 30 for three in a four-day game, I'd back myself to to get the team out of the hole. Send me in when we're 300 for three and I might as well not bother. So um, I always prided myself on on getting runs when the team needed me and, and like I say, I, I wasn't the uh, most talented.
1: I just worked hard and, and found a method that worked for me. You were very successful with that, weren't you? Because I think mean, that what made you, part of what made you such a good captain really was that you led by example and like you say, when it was easy, Uh, other lads would step up but when it was really tough and you needed somebody to rely on I can remember a handful of games just off the top of my head where we were really up against it and you'd go and get either a tough 70 or 80 or a big 100 and you'd you'd win as the game when the chips were down and I think that was part of your influence as captain really that you you would always lead from the front like that yeah, and it's something that, you know, we talk about now with the batters at the club. What what defines you as a batter is
2: how many games you win for the team. It's no good scoring a hundred if it's in a losing course. So uh, you have to make big hundreds and big contributions. And I did pride myself on that. Um I, I always enjoyed the battle, you know, at times, um, probably too much, but I think it put me in a situation where the chips were down, and that's when I came into my own. Definitely. So G um, gone Pat Hugo.
1: No, I was saying if we look back Obviously on your playing career, you got thousands of runs and there's a lot of highlights that stood out to me, getting your cap at Scarborough. I remember my debut, you got your first 100 at Scarborough, 100 for the club, sorry. Obviously the two championship winning seasons. What would you look back on and say with specific highlights? Would it be the two championship winning years as captain or would it be taking over the captaincy? What would be probably the highlights for you? Yeah, I think the, the back-to-back
2: championships and I think the second one obviously meant more to me being able to lift the trophy at Lords, you know, with a bit of sweet first time round. So, you know, I, I think having been a captain at the club as you are now, Pato, you, you define yourself on how your team members do and um, it took us a while to Build a culture and a team that could compete year in year out to to win trophies. So to get our rewards at the end of that, and the way that we did it as well, you know, we were a a group of lads that came through all at a similar time, and we were all friends. We enjoyed each other's company, and it was, um, you know, it was almost the perfect storm. Bringing Dizzy in as well, it just all fell into place. And to win back to back championships, um, you know, that was that was definitely the highlight of my career.
0: Yeah, great time. We had a. A proper team. If you think about that team that we, you know, that's double double winning seat, two two seasons, the, the bowling attack covered all bases. Uh, leg, leg spinning rash, experienced batters up front. Proper county team. That I think everyone just came into their own
2: at the right time. I think to be successful in county cricket, as Essex are now, they've got experienced players, but also players that are trying to prove themselves going into the England team. People like you know Dan Lawrence. It, it was the perfect time for us. We had them young players coming through in, in Ruti and Gary, live who, who were trying to prove themselves and get into the England team. And then you had your, your senior pros in us, lads, and Sidi and, and Brez, who were probably on our England ambitions were probably just gone at that, at that stage. So it was the perfect storm that everyone came together at
1: the right time. And I think that helps us, really, because when, when we brought players in, we, we, obviously we won the two championships in 14 and 15, but in 2013 we finished second, in 2016 we narrowly missed out on winning it. So for four or five years we had a real, I suppose, dominant side. And I think what helped for us then was when we brought players in, so Jacqueline and would come in and play a few games, other lads would come in, and they were coming into a successful side and a, a settled side. So as opposed to maybe more recently we've had a lot of youngsters finding the way at the same time. It was quite a nice time because we bring players into a well-established team, and it, I think it made it easier for them to adapt into. Yeah, I think looking back, I think 2011
2: was the biggest, the best thing that happened to us. Although we got relegated, it meant we we went down into Division Two, and it meant that we could bring all these young players in at once. And the second division isn't as strong, so had we been in the first division, we probably wouldn't have played them all at once. And when when we got promoted in the first season, they were just fearless with these young lads, and we were going into the first division. And, and the likes of Ruti and, and Gary, they, they believed at that time that we could beat anyone in the country. We'd been around for six, seven, eight years at that point and we'd never won anything. And you know that was a highlight to get finished second in the second division and get up, um, given all the rain we had that year. But we went up in the first division and, and these young lads, they were fearless. They just believed we could win against anybody where, if we played the best cricket. And um, that carried on throughout, really. And we just got a momentum going, really, from 2012 onwards.
0: Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um, and, Gene, you're finishing 2016. For us, who's been around the club and seen you as a leader on the field, it's no surprise at all. It was a natural progression to a head coach. Just talk us through that transition. You know, you've been, you know, you played all those years, uh, captain for so long, and then transitioning to being uh, the first-team coach. Yeah, it came
2: about. By chance, really. I'd always wanted to get into coaching. If I'm being honest, going straight into a head coaching role had never really crossed my mind. I probably wanted to, to get into academy second team or a batting coach role. And in 2016, my form was poor. I'd fallen out of love with the game a little bit. I remember, I think I scored a 70 or 80 in a Roses game. Old Trafford and you know that buzz you get when you're driving home thinking I've had a good day today Um, it just wasn't there I felt nothing I remember speaking to to my wife Kate when I got home and I just said I'm not just not feeling it I'm just not enjoying the game and I had a chat with Martin halfway through the season about potentially retiring I'd had enough and I'd spoke to you Rich and you know your advice at the time I remember it clear as day was you know keep playing but um, maybe have a year or two without the captaincy have you've been a leader for seven years so I sat down with Martin at the end of the season And the chief exec, and I said, Look, you know, I want to keep playing. I wasn't playing one day cricket at T20 cricket at the time, but I had a year left on my contract. And I said, Look, you know, maybe need some time off in the winter, recharge my batteries, and and see what happens. He said, Yeah, no problem. So it was about five or six weeks later, I got a call from Martin saying, Do you want to go through the list of candidates for Dizzy's replacements? And I said, yeah, fine. And I met up with him and he said, look, I've been thinking about this. You said you're about retiring. I think you're the best man for the role. Would you take the opportunity? I said, well, I'm going to need some time to think about it. So he said, well, ne- you've only got the weekend, really. So I, I just sat down with the family and had a chat about it and a few close friends. And it just felt right. It felt right. And um, I went straight into it. And it was a tough first few years as coach managing the transition as well. Uh, of the club, but um, I've never regretted that for a minute. There's not there's the odd game where I think it's a you know a t twenty roses game at Headingley where I think oh I'm full house and mm-hmm. I'd love to get out there today, but other than that, I've never thought. Well, I've never picked a bat up since, so I've not missed the game uh, from a playing point of view.
0: Yeah, and it probably came to a few a, a bit of a surprise, but to us at the club. It's no surprise at all, you know, a natural leader, probably a natural progression for you. And um, you know, I, I think you, you've grown into a role brilliantly since then.
2: Yeah, it, it's been it's been very different, a lot more challenging than I thought. From sitting next to the blokes in the dressing room and being on their side to the to the guy that's leaving them out of the team, making decisions about their careers. And it was, you know, we'd had all, all that success. We knew we were coming a period to a period where we needed to bring fresh blood through the younger lads, but I didn't quite anticipated happen happened that quickly so you know we, we ended up losing quite a lot of senior players and it's taken us time to bring this young group through that we're starting to see progressing well and, and being successful in first team cricket but um, not for one minute did I think it'd be as challenging as it was in that first sort of 18 months and I think over time I've grown into the role I brought these young lads through and we've got to a position as a club where we you know Martin said to me at the time to, to manage transition it would be about not falling off the edge of the cliff and staying in Division One and competing in one-day cricket, and eventually
1: you'll um, you'll get your rewards for that. Yeah, I think if we look back, as you say, it was a big transition, and in some regards, I think probably I felt that you maybe you finished playing a little bit too soon because, as Rich said, if if you'd have had a couple of years without the captaincy and and maybe got you still had plenty of runs left in you as a player, that's not in question. But I think if you if you fast forward now, yes, we had a a transition for a couple of years and and we lost a number of senior players and there was a real rebuilding of the squad. But looking where we're at, now probably the last two two seasons this year has been very different for obvious reasons but the kind of squad we've got in place now do you are you confident going forward that that's something that can not necessarily repeat that period we had before but it's coming to a stage now where these lads are going to mature in the same way? Yeah I, I'm, I'm
2: confident that they are I think we've given them all enough opportunity to to learn and you only get better by playing and um they've had some ups and downs but we're starting to see more consistency from them and um yeah it was a tough time early because as a young coach you want to be successful you my first few years you want to win a trophy uh, but it became quite evident that if we were going to go down the direction that the club wanted us to by backing our own players and, and not signing loads of players from the outside we pride ourselves on our academy then it was going to be a bumpy road and um, I think one thing that gave me confidence on the way was any question if you're doing the right thing and I remember Pete Moores coming up to me when we when we played against him in a championship game a few years back and you know, Moores is someone who I think all young coaches look up to he's been there done it bought the t-shirt been successful every county he's been to and he said look I can see what you're doing stick with it I've done it myself I've rebuilt a team and when you when you start to get your rewards for that it will be the best feeling in the world but you've got to be patient and um, that that was for me really good advice and it's, it's hard as a young coach looking too far ahead, looking too far in the future, because you want that success now. You want to prove to people, just like as a player and as a captain, you can do the job and be successful doing it. And I think now we've built that team, we've gone through that. We're starting to see, particularly in four-day cricket, we're starting to see that we're dominating games. And players like Cody, Fish, Waitie, Tomo... Rookie, they're all starting to be dominant and showing more consistency and developing on year on year. And I think when they start, when they win a trophy, which they will, they'll have that confidence that we had back in 2014 that we can do this over and over again. So, yeah, I'm confident that,
1: that we've built a successful team for the future. Absolutely. And if we're if we, just talking back to obviously moving over to being a coach, one thing i would noticed about my time as captain is that as captain, because you, you're obviously playing in the game, you're very focused on your job and you have a squad of 12, 13 and 14 and we'll pick an 11. But as a coach, you obviously put a lot of planning into preparing the lads and looking at the season and this, that and the other. And how does it feel as a coach? We'll come on to it a bit more in the review of this year. But as a coach, when you do all that planning and then obviously you lose players to international duty, to injury. Having seen it as a player and having seen it as a coach, how does it feel being a coach? to put all that effort and planning and everything in place to then suddenly have four, five or six of what you would mean your first team players, unavailable all of a sudden?
2: Yeah, it's frustrating at times because there's players who, you always start off, we'll sit down pato at the start of the season and we'll go, oh, we've got these players available for these games and if these are the England fixtures and these are the county fixtures and this is our team that we'll have. And then, for whatever reason, it's the players that aren't in the mix for England that you suffer most from losing. So for instance, Dave Willey this year, you know, he gets left out of the World Cup squad. You think he's going to spend a period of time with us, make him captain of the T20. Uh COVID hits, and suddenly he's back in the England setup and we don't have him for uh, most of the season again. He only ends up playing two games, which you just can't plan for that. And you do need a you do need a bit of luck when it comes to that. You need the stars to align a little bit. But players like Rooty and, and Johnny and Rash, you know, you start out the season if they play for you as we know, then it's a bonus. But vast majority of the time, we don't see much of them. It's the other lads on the way, people like Gaz, when he got picked again on his second or third time of being selected for England. Uh, Livy, you know, someone like Malla getting back, uh, playing for England. That'll be, is he going to play next year? How much availability are we going to have from Bessie next year? They, these are the sort of things that that is quite challenging. And um, when you're a coach, it's frustrating at times because... I love planning, as you know. I love organising. I love lining things up and, and putting things in a row. We'll have them for this game and that game and that game. And then suddenly you get a few injuries and a few call-ups. And as we've seen this year, you, you're down to playing you know, the real young kids in, in the squad. So, yeah, it can be frustrating. But it's also good because that gives opportunity. You look back at someone like Ben Code who got that opportunity. You remember when we sat down pre-season... I remember having a lap with you, Rich. We were in South Africa in Poch, and I think we had nine frontline seamers going into that season. And I said, oh, "It's going to be some tough conversations come that first game." Well, what happened in the next two weeks? Well, we lost three seamers to injury. Two lads went to the IPL three days before the season, and you're thinking, hmm, "Gonna Ben Code's going to have to take a new ball. Is he good enough?" Comes in and gets. I think he got. Did he get ten wickets on his debut? Or, wait, yeah, won his it's debut. Five
1: did,
2: Yeah, he got five and suddenly then you've unleashed another one who you think this lad's got a future with Yorkshire. And the same happened with someone like Dom Leach this year. Had a great winter with us and you think, hmm, this lad's got a chance. But by, by chance, by injuries and COVID and what have you, he ends up playing and you go, hmm, this lad's got something. So um, as frustrating it is, we, we have got a lot of strength in depth right down to our academy and we back that. We give them opportunity and some fly and some fall by the wayside.
0: Let's just get on to a bit of review then. So, you know, we started off with the, in the Bob Willis Trophy and, um, you know, we had a pretty confident, we had a strong squad with that and then a couple of injuries in the first game led to more opportunities for young lads, but going unbeaten in the, in the five games and, and just missing out, I think, by four points. But just your, your take on, on the Bob Willis Trophy, G?
2: Well, I think going right back to February... We On paper, we had a fantastic team going into the season. Ashwin, Maharaj coming in, Milan, and we were going to have Rooty for the first four or five games of the season. And then we were sat in that player's dining room just before we went to India, and a few players had concerns about this thing called coronavirus. And if you remember, the club doctor, Knight, nice, said, you've got more chance of getting malaria than you have coronavirus so we went out we went out to India and we got there and within 24 hours I'm sitting the squad down and saying we're getting the, the earliest flight back so gonna close the borders so we came back we're in lockdown we don't know what's gonna happen with the season all signs were pointing to you're not gonna play any cricket from week to week I'm speaking to the chief exec get your lads ready you're gonna be back in three weeks time then the week after you're not gonna be playing any cricket and then we get to a point where They've got this Bob Willis trophy lined up and a shortened season and some T20 cricket. So what was challenging to start with, as you know, was um, the organisation, the support staff sitting down and going through what we couldn't, couldn't do, who couldn't, couldn't do and and putting the one-to-ones together because that's all we could work on in the first few weeks and then the groups of six and then so on and so on and we sat down as a squad and went through the game plan if you remember and my challenge to the squad was to compete for the two trophies and um, in the Bob Willis I thought we were outstanding you know to lose three seamers in the first three days we lost weighty the day before the game at Durham who looked in fantastic form was height of his game and confident, batting as well as I'd seen him. He was fit. He looked a lot leaner after lockdown. We lost him. Cody and Fish played that game. Did really well. We lost them. Side strain, I think it was, and an abdominal strain. So, again, you're scratching your head. And... um, We've only got one veteran seamer in Pato, the captain. You're thinking, who's going to come in? But um, all the lads who came in did a job to a man. And I, I think the most pleasing thing about the competition was seeing more consistency from the players that we stuck, for, stuck with for a few years. You know, yeah. Brookie, although he, he didn't score a, a, a big 100, he made 350s in the competition. He showed a lot more consistency, 350s in five games. Tats... He showed more consistency, averaging mid forties. Maller, who we brought to the club because we needed that experienced batter, making a double hundred, scoring a match-winning seventy or whatever it was at-, at Durham. To win three out of five games was fantastic, given the injuries that we'd had. And looking back, we couldn't have done any more. You know, I was, yeah. I was looking at the Lord's final last week, gutted really, because we'd won our group. We had two days washed out in two games in the middle of our fixtures, we couldn't have really got any more points. So um, it was a real positive and, and I think going forward, the lads should get a lot of confidence from that because
1: to win three out of five games is a good effort against some good teams as well. And like you said about the the Willis trophy, Gailey, what probably pleased me and gave me the most belief was that game at Trent Bridge. I felt going into that, it was going to be the toughest <laughs> game we had in the comp with the very experienced side and we've got some high quality players and playing away from home is difficult anyway and I think the way with the young side we had having lost those three bowlers going into it to be able to go there and um, we were down and out for the vast majority of the game to find a way to claw ourselves back in it and then ball them out on that last morning really gave me a belief that as a squad as a team that we believed in each other and these young lads have, have got the belief to, to go out there so that, that must have been pleasing for you as well yeah, if you look at them first two
2: games, the way in which we won as well, they were tricky games. You know, we we didn't dominate and we didn't win by an innings. We had to to work hard. You know, it was a tricky chase at Durham. What was it, one eighty? We needed to knock off on a, a a pitch that was deteriorating. It was a little bit up and down, and I think we were twenty for two or something like that. So you know, that that gave us a hell of a lot of confidence. And then we knew going to knots, uh, key players down. We know that they're a good side. And like you say, we were behind the eight ball. You know, until that partnership between uh, there was Tomo and Tats in the first innings, I think it was. And then there was Johnny and, and Livy in the second innings. And you didn't have a hell of a lot of runs on the board. But our bowling display second innings was fantastic, as it was all season. So to win games in that fashion as well shows a lot of mental strength and a lot of character. And I think that's um the, the environment that, that you and I have built up over the last couple of years. That toughness
0: that we expect from the lads in them situations shone through. Yeah, definitely. And <clears throat> just picking up on on uh, the bowling attack there, I think we had four bowlers averaging under twenty, including you, Steve. But the thing that the thing that stood out for me was the last game of the season, the Leicester game. So we've you know, we've relied on you, Pato, for so long, um, and club captain to miss that game, even though you've told us all that you never get injured yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to, yeah. you know to go to go into that game to a must win game to give us a chance to going through to for losing Pato who's been our reliable ball for so long for you know Cody and Fish to stand up they look like proper leaders now out on the field with the ball to go and win that game how we did I thought was you know really impressive and such a big sign for the future you know hopefully you'll, you'll play for a few more years yet Pato but um, you know, it's massive, great signs for the future there with them. You know, them three standing up.
2: You saw the future of Yorkshire cricket there. We were sat on the balcony; weren't we weren't rich when Cody yeah. and Fit opened the bowling, and we were just wow. This is this is proper spell of bowling. This is the future of Yorkshire's opening bowling for years to come. Hopefully, if we can keep them yeah. fit, and then Tom ought to get his first five for as well in the game to back that up it gave him so much uh, confidence. And yeah, the, the bowling throughout the competition, even even th- during periods when, um, when we wasn't getting wickets, you know, Pato led the side and talked about staying in the game and controlling the run rate. It's exactly what we did. And it takes <clears throat> maturity to be able to do that and patience. And I thought our bowling was, was outstanding. And even with a bat, you know, I think we've, we've missed our best player all season in Gary Bouts. Yeah. You know, the best batsman in the country as well so for other lads to stand up we spoke a lot about Livy making hundreds in previous years where you know he's, he's fallen short and got I think up 550s last year or something so he made a 100 against Lancashire I'm, I'm convinced that he'd probably gone on to be a match winning 100 as well so great signs for us
0: going forward yeah 100% and you know a sign of best as well add best into that for next year you know hopefully it'll make us it even stronger yeah exactly and um we all know that I think
2: the spin has been the missing link for a while. No disrespect to the lads that we've got. But we wanted to sign Bessie because we could still develop our own players as well. Had we had gone down the route of signing an overseas, it probably would have closed the door for Josh Poised and Jack Shutt. So, you know, I think Bessie's going to be around with England a bit. We're going to miss him, but it
1: means that we can still develop our own as well. I look at that kind of bowling attack now. Especially that bunch of seamers. And obviously, I'm a lot older than any other bowler we've got. But what I like about it is we're starting to see not just more consistency in terms of the performance, but being able to stay on the field and being able to stay fit. And that's kind of my focus, as probably as captain and a senior bowler over the coming years, is that to allow those boys to take over and take ownership of that team. Because there's no doubt in their ability, it's just keeping them out there long enough to keep winning games for us. And I think that was what's real, really promising from this year is that they they all came back in good shape after lockdown. Yes, we lost lads for a couple of games, but generally they put some real effort in there. And it's a really good sign for me going forward that as and when I retire and fall away, that these lads, there's enough in them. Cody will be 27, 28 by then, hopefully in his prime. Fish will be 25, 26, the same with Tomo. And be at the same level that we were at probably eight, nine years ago when when we took over from the lads before. Yeah, I think the bodies are getting used to it now.
2: It's not tough, you know, as a young bowler. There's injuries all over the country, especially given the preparation we had going into the season. We expected injuries. We didn't quite expect to lose three in the first three days. But, you know, Tomo, he played every single game of the season in a two-month period. Hats off to him. He's shown that he's robust. So it's not a matter of skill. I think they'll always keep improving. It's a matter of keeping them on the park for long periods of time,
0: yeah, and you know you add in that with've leachy played two games, showed a lot of potential. George Hill came in and played two games, I think it was showed a lot of potential as well, so you know we've got we've got some good good balls underneath that, so it's exciting times, yeah and
2: that was. The positive of these young lads coming in because for Pato next year, he's got options. We've got more yes. stock. And to win a championship, as we know, you've, you've, I, I believe you need eight seamers to win a championship. We've seen that in the past, particularly playing up north. And I think we've got that now.
0: Yeah,
1: definitely. No, so I think looking back on the Bob Willis, it was a fantastic achievement and it's a real tick in the box for, for the team and the, the lads individually. Uh, as you say, we couldn't have done any more. And then I think if we then fast forward the start of the T20. I know obviously I don't play it now but I was looking at the the squad of players we had and the team we were putting out and at the start of the comp I had every expectation that we were going to finish really strongly because we've got some very very good players, we had a full side to pick from and then as you know with various things it it changed quite quickly as it went. How do you look back, obviously having had a couple of weeks to, to digest it all, how do you look back on the on the T20 stuff now? Yeah I think at the time the first few games, we won two out of three games,
2: and that was without our captain as well. In Dave, we were playing some good cricket. I was confident. We had a little bit of a, a hiccup. We had a speed bump at Leicester. We should have won that game. You always have one game in the comp where I believe where it's a game you always walk away from going. Mm, I just hope that one doesn't cost us. And that was that game at Leicester. It was a game we should have won. And then what happened in the last week? You know, we even with the loss at Leicester, I sat down with the lads and said. You know, I, I'm still backing us to get through the, the group stages because we had four games left in the last week, and three of them uh, were at home. If you look at our record at home, it's um, stats-wise, it's one of the best in, in world cricket. So I was backing us. We were having we were due to get Maler back for them four games and Rooty back for the last two. So I was pretty confident. Although we we, we had that hiccup at, at Leicester, I was still pretty confident that we'd go close. And then what happened with the COVID thing to have four players. Taken from you overnight, um, three of your most experienced bowlers, your three leading wicket takers, and we all know about Livy and Tom's partnership at the top, how important that's been to us in recent years. Just ripped the heart of, out of our team, really. It was always going to be tough from there. But I think looking back on it, having taken the emotion out of it now after a few weeks off, I still I still think there was lots of positives because even in that last week, we still should have won three out of the four games. We we wasn't in the game against Lancashire. We were rabbit in headlights. We looked like a, a set of kids really. And then um, against Durham at the halfway stage, they only had 148 on the board on a par pitch, which was about 180, I thought we, they were well below par. We just needed one or two blokes to stand up. And I was disappointed, really disappointed that we we didn't get over the line in that game because I pride my teams on having backbone and showing character, and I thought we rolled over and died in that game. That that's what disappointed me most. Then the Lancashire game, up to the last four overs, you know, when Ruti and Livey were there, we had the game in our hands there. We we should have got over the line in that one, and then that last game against Derby. I'm hoping will be a watershed moment for us because, you know, the stats say we've only had three successful chases in the last three years of T20 cricket. So I'm hoping the likes of Brookie and Franey who played in that game, particularly... To Brookie to bat with Joe Root in that situation to talk him through the innings will be a watershed moment for the team and we we made a point after of sitting down and going through the game from a batting point of view exactly what Rooty and, and Brookie was talking about out there how they calmed their emotions what the shot selection was like how they dealt with the pressure and the key for us going forward is to repeat that because it's not a it's not a technical thing the lads not nothing to do with the lads can't do it because when we bat first we got the best record in the country but when it comes to chasing we've got to find find a way of being more, more successful and like I say, them three run chases we had in three years. Two of them were with Kim Williamson and one with Joe Root, so I'm a big believer in experiencing T20 cricket as well. It's no coincidence that I, I did some homework on experienced teams and um, out of the eight most experienced teams in the country, six of them qualified for the next stages. Of, of the T20. So going into that last week, it was great learning for people like George Hill, uh, Revis, Wharton, uh, Wiz. You know, that's George got hit on the head against Durham. It, it, that was the first game he'd ever played under lights, <laughs> which is madness. You know, you think, Wiz had only ever played three second team games. He, we had to ring his dad to, to get him to drive him to Old Trafford because he doesn't oh. even drive. Rev watched, his, his dad watched his debut in the car, in the car park on his Sky Go. It's absolute madness If you'd have said That that Wharton And Revis And these guys Would have played T20 cricket for Yorkshire Back in January You'd have said Well let's get them Some experience in the second team first So looking back It was frustrating At the time I was banging my head Against the brick wall Because it feels like Groundhog day in T20 again For us but the positives are these lads, having just come through their appraisals, they all said how much they learned and they know what they've got to work on in the benchmark because we keep telling them you have to be this good to, to play first-team cricket and until you've experienced it, I'm not quite sure they always believe you. So now they've had a taste of it, they know exactly
0: what they need to work on. Yeah, and they are, you know, the learnings from it are massive out there, but just on those learnings, how good was Ruto when he came back? Like, to have somebody like that around the dressing room. I know he got the runs and the wickets, but the way he speaks to the lads, it's absolutely gold dust to have somebody like that around.
2: Yeah, and, and when you're watching him play, I mean, that the way he played at Old Trafford, you, you're just in awe of the bloke because he hardly played a shot in anger. He's got 50 off, like, 25 balls, strike rate 200. You're going, wow, this guy's so good. How can he not get in the England team? But, yeah, the way he spoke to the team, you know, similar messages, to what we we get across to him, but he's coming from Joe Root, the England yeah. captain, the legend of English cricket at the minute. Um he was great with the lads and, and what a bloke to take time out. You know, he rang me then he knew we were out of the competition. We couldn't qualify going into the last two games. And he rang and said, do you still do you still want me to play? Cause I really want to play still so, still. And that's a sign of how good a bloke he is. And um you know to have him around was was brilliant for all the lads and brilliant for me as well. Definitely, so G.
0: All in all, I think decent year. You know, with everything that's happened, everything that's going on, I think we, I think it sets it up nicely for next year. So, what you know, what, what how do you see the winter going leading into next year?
2: It's going to be tricky. I think we all don't know what's going to happen. We, we felt at the end of season we were coming out of all this COVID stuff, and it seems to be to be coming back. So, what the winter looks like, I'm I'm not sure. I think what we learned from our preparation from before was we can make it work might be a shortened pre-season, but we can make it work. I'm sure there won't be a pre-season tour. Travelling abroad will be tough. So it'll be very different, but um, I think we're going to have to find different ways to to prep the lads. It might be a, a few classroom sessions, which I'm not sure will go down very well with the lads bit more education, maybe a bit of work experience, life outside of cricket. Because I, I just think putting the lads back in, indoors in the East End, it's almost like we've done back-to-back winters. So it's, um, yeah. it's good enough mentally for them. But what they've gained from this season, the confidence, is only going to be good for us going forward. So lots of confidence there for the lads going into next season already.
1: And I think if we look forward to, to next season, look at the time probably since you took over as coach, I would say looking at the personnel we've got now and the squad we've built, I would say it's probably close to being the most complete squad we've had in, in your time as, as coach. Would you believe would you agree with that? Is that are you comfortable, are you confident with that, or is there anything you feel we're still missing?
2: No, I, I think on paper We've got every base covered. As I mentioned earlier, you do need the stars to align a little bit to to make sure you've got everyone available. And what the schedule will look like next year with everything that's going on. Is there going to be England bubbles again? Are we going to miss more players than we should? But on paper, we've got everything covered. and, And the key thing for me is that we've got the right environment to be successful. I don't think we had that in the early part of me being coach and we've had to work on that but the lads are brilliant now the environment is there if you've got the environment I always believe you've got half a chance and um, we've got a real solid dressing room that cares about each
0: other 100% G back you up on that so just to finish Gailey we're going to do the covers off quick fire questions so are you ready? Is this Pato's nicknames? Could do that. I'm, I'm undecided yet, but we're, we're going to go through the, the quick five questions. Just give us your, the first answer that comes into your head of these. Okay. Earliest memory of cricket?
2: Playing at Woodhouse Grove in a Yorkshire 11s trial. Like it. Cricketing hero? Oh, Marcus Tress I'm so lucky that he's <laughs> on my level four. I just sit next to him and, and listen to him all day and ask him about his game.
0: It was quite embarrassing every time that Trez came to Headingley and Gailey was all over
2: him. His first first game as captain for Somerset was my second game as captain for Yorkshire as well. So um, I didn't even have a toss. I just asked him what he wanted to do at the (laughs) toss.
0: I've never seen seen anyone take a selfie at a toss before with an opposition captain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Professional debut? I played against Worcester at
2: Headingley in a one day game. Uh, I remember getting hit in the throat, third ball, by some Australian guy who bowled about 90 mile an hour. I got halfway through the shot and it hit me in the throat, and I couldn't breathe for about three overs after that. But I was well out of my depth at that stage. When was
0: that? 2004?
2: Four, I think, yeah. I think yeah. it was four, I was batting with Jakesy. Yeah.
0: Um, best game you've ever played in?
2: Best game. Do you remember that game we played at Somerset? Mm. That was a great game, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. 2008. 2000- yeah, it was it canic we got out? Did Brez get him out the last wicket, balled him, off forget?
1: Yeah, he him and then did like an aeroplane round. With.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we had loads of injuries going into that game and uh, we were a young team. Um, yeah, we did. I think that's the game when Frog sent me off in the warm-up, didn't he, of football? So I, yeah, elbowed me in Ed, didn't you? Well, I didn't elbow you, Rich. You you rolled around like Lionel Messi, and um, Frog wasn't happy with me at the time. So I needed to get runs in the game, otherwise I don't think he'd have spoke to me again. So I think I managed to script <laughs> in both innings, and we went on to win the game. It was a great game of cricket. It was a good game of cricket. That
0: um, your favourite ground in the world to play in?
2: Oh, it's got to be Scarborough. It? It's the only place I got runs really. So
0: I've got to I've got to say that Scarborough and Taunton, your two grounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, where are we? Somebody to bat for your life. Oh, someone to bat for my life. I could say Pato,
2: couldn't I? His night watchman. I've seen him play yep. some. Innings. Yep.
0: Not, not after this year, Pato.
2: Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, someone to bat for my life. I'd probably say Kane Williamson. Yeah. yeah. What an awesome player. Great defence it would bat for my life. Well, I'm not sure it's would bat for my life, but someone's life anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, this, you, you, can, you can say yourself for this one, G. Messiest in the dressing room? Messiest.
2: Well, I used to change next to Rash for a number of years and he was really messy. He used to have crisp packets and Coke bottles everywhere. Who else? I changed next to Brez, didn't I, then, when we went to the new dressing rooms. And he, he he ended up taking over my spot with all his kit. So, yeah, probably Brez. It was disgusting at
0: times. Our dressing room has been a lot tidier and cleaner since Brez. Like, and on another note, did you hear Brez's interview the other day? There was a tweak of Brummie in his accent. No. It, was like, it, was, it was like listening to, you know, uh, Steve McLaren when he went to win that Dutch league.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, <what> you-
0: Brez. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull him up on that when I see him anyway good to see that Brizzy did well at Warwickshire shout out to you Brizzy lad who's the vainest cricket you've come across I think you know this
2: Rich you <laughs> no, I do actually I, 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 I asked you to come on a bike ride the other day and you are having your hair cut I think that was twice in two weeks I, I've never known someone have their hair cut so much I've ruined with you so much you've got so many products um, it's got to be you and Ryan Sidebottom
0: I'll put you in the same bracket no okay. I am no nowhere in the same bracket as City.
2: Yeah, you were. You're, you're well pruned. <sighs>
0: Best celebration or party after a game or series?
2: Oh, that that um, celebration after the the second championship at Lords was good one. I think we went out in as whites, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, I think we were walking across Abbey Road in our whites, weren't we? Like the old <laughs> Beatles <laughs> with a cup. Uh, we, we we planned on taking over over London that night, but I think we all got to about half twelve and chipped off. We couldn't <laughs> drink anymore. <laughs>
0: Yeah, great times. Okay, three people living or dead to have dinner with. Uh,
2: three people living or dead. Um, I've got to go for Andy Booth, haven't I? Oh. What a legend of, of a striker. I think who else would be really interesting would be Len Utton. I know that's quite boring, but I'd like to talk to him about York's cricket. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is, your numbers on this podcast are going down, aren't they? Yeah,
0: this is and why I'm, you were 150th on.
2: The third one, I don't know, probably just go standard David Beckham or someone like that. Seems like a good guy. Yeah, not Trez. No, because I get to sit next to him and we'll have dinner every night with him on level four. So yeah. he's sick of, it, sick of having dinner with me. I think he'd probably refuse it.
0: Yeah, probably. Okay, so last one, G. Uh, pick your best six-a-side cricket team that you've played with.
2: Ooh, that i played with. Darren Lehman, you've got to put him in there. Versatile. Wicketkeeper, Johnny Best or. Joe Root, Kane Williamson. How I mean, is that? Four. I've got to have got Pato in there because he never goes above ball two over. So if he's balling one over at six, it's going to be a maiden. Um, And then... <laughs> uh, he's, that's quite an ugly team. So I'm probably going to have to put Liam Plunkett in there because... Yeah, he's a good-looking lad.
0: He's a good-looking lad. We've got to have some good looks in there. Yeah, strong team, that. Right. G, do, do you want to do a, a nickname for 30 seconds or...? No, I'll do... Who we got...
1: Yeah, I've got the stopwatch on, Gailey. You've got 30 seconds. As many nicknames for Adam Live as you can come up with, starting now. Livey, Budge, Lips of a Budgie,
2: Jeff Evans, Peter Ebdon, <laughs> uh, Golf Ball Head, um, Sublive, <laughs> Peanut, Stotters, um, Whitby King. Um, running out now. Uh, Sprite Goblin remember that one a <laughs>
1: few uh, more seconds
0: I'm, I'm done there I think yeah that's good I got 11 there is that right? 11 that's a good score that G strong strong score that gail it's been an absolute pleasure having you on great to talk about uh, this season a bit with review and looking ahead to next year so um, thanks mate really appreciate that thanks
2: for having me on guys
0: yeah, good to speak to you lad Cheers, lads. You've been listening to the Covers Off podcast from yourself, Richard Pyra and Steve Patterson. Uh, thanks for listening. We will be around uh, for the winter now. So whoever you'd like to hear on the pod, let us know. Just tweet me at Richard Pyra and um, we'll see you next time.